0: Everyone wants to follow the right kind of leaders. And there are tons of books in the business world and articles and podcasts on what makes good leaders and what makes good leaders worthy of being followed. Uh, but occasionally, uh, you may find yourself uh, following a wrong leader, a-, a wrong influence. Have you ever had that experience? I look back at my life and I can think of times when I thought I was following the right person or the right direction. And then I, was, I came to a realization that was the wrong path. Uh, following the wrong influence may or may not be obvious to us in the moment. When you see it, it's fairly straightforward. You start making ways to to shift, to direct to the right kind of leaders, the right kind of influences that you want to follow. Uh, But when you don't realize that you're following the the, the wrong leaders, it's not as clear. It gets more complicated. Uh, And it's worse, it's worse when others try to give you the clues and help you realize that you may be following the right kind of leaders and you're not getting it. And and worse when you're actually staying with the wrong influences even against the advice of others. The text we are looking at today uh, is helping the Christians in Galatia, in the region of Galatia, To recognize that they have been following the wrong kind of leaders. And they are not seeing it. As a matter of fact, the whole book of Galatians was written to try to, to wean the Galatian believers off of the influences of bad leaders who were taking them the wrong direction. The danger of turning after wrong leaders... My brothers and sisters, is a danger that we also must be on guard against, even today. And we can learn from this passage that we are looking at today the kind of influencers we should be looking after and looking to follow. So the message this morning is uh, is entitled with a question: Who are you following? Who are you following? Let's open God's Word to Galatians chapter four we'll be looking at verse 8 to verse 20. By the way, as you're turning there, um, the importance of who you are following can be illustrated today by the various ways of how people think through the issues today. You can sort of sort out who's following who when it comes to the pandemic, when it comes to racial issues, to justice issues, to various things going on in our society today. Who we are listening to, what we are following is so evident in the way we consider various convictions of our lives. Well, let's consider today some some priorities of who should be the kind of leaders we should be following. Listen to God's word. Galatians chapter 4. We'll be reading from verse 8 to verse 20. This is the word of the Lord. Formerly, when you did not know God, you were enslaved to those that by nature are not gods. But now that you have come to know God, or rather to be known by God, how can you turn back again to the weak and worthless elementary principles of the world whose slaves you want to be once more? You observe days and months and seasons and years. I am afraid I may have labored over you in vain. Brothers, I entreat you. Become as I am, for I also have become as you are. You did no wrong. You did me no wrong. You know it was because of a bodily ailment that I preached the gospel to you at first. And though my condition was a trial to you, you did not scorn or despise me, but received me as an angel of God, as Christ Jesus. What then has become of your blessedness? For I testify to you that if possible, you would have gouged out your eyes and given them to me. Have I then become your enemy by telling you the truth? They make much of you. But for no good purpose. They want to shut you out that you may make much of them. It is always good to be made much of for a good purpose. And not only when I am present with you, my little children, for whom I am again in the anguish of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. I wish I could be present with you now and change my tone For I am perplexed about you. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, thank you for giving us your word and inspiring the Apostle Paul to write this particular text in this letter uh, to the Galatians 2,000 years ago. And that this word remains your word for us today as well. Would you speak to our hearts? Encourage us. Challenge us. Equip us. We pray this in the name of Christ, for his glory and honor. Amen. Who are you following? It's been a while since we've, book, we've been in the book of Galatians, so it may be helpful just to remind us briefly what has been going on in this book. Uh, we have gone through the first half of it and it started uh, mid-December uh, to work through chapter 4. In chapter 4... Paul is seeking to convince the Galatian believers that those who put their trust in Christ have become adopted sons and are no longer slaves. This is how chapter 4, verse 7 ends with, So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. But this new status that the believers in Galatia had, uh, they now wanted to kick back from it. They wanted to go back to slavery. So in our text, uh, the Apostle Paul stops to ask them, why? Why do you want to go back now that you have been Adopted, become adopted sons through faith in Jesus Christ. Why would you want to go back? Back to slavery, back to bondage. In our text, Paul exposes the problem. The Galatian believers have been lured by the attention they have received from false teachers who misled them away from Christ. The Galatians have been mesmerized by the high level of attention the false teachers were giving them. And therefore, they began to follow these wrong leaders, these wrong teachers, these wrong influencers. In addition... Uh, The Galatians have been convinced by the new influencers to turn back on the one leader God used to point them to Christ in the first place. Uh, When one drifts away into slavery, back into bondage, one's relationship to godly leaders is also slowing drifting away. This is one reason why God designated Christians uh, to be members of local churches with faithful pastors who look after the spiritual well-being of the flock, of the members. That's why it's important for us to consider who are the leaders or the influencers we are taking cues from for our daily lives. Now it's possible to be a member in a church, in a gospel preaching church with with faithful pastors, and still keep church leaders or godly members in the congregation, godly influencers in the congregation, at a distance. So it's helpful to ask not only who are your pastors, but who are you actually following? Who are you taking your cues from? Uh, for how you live your life who are you going to get advice from in this text the Apostle Paul is laboring not only to bring the Galatians back to the gospel of Jesus Christ but also to bring them back to faithful leaders that they need to start following again now it happens in this text that the right leader happens to be the Apostle Paul himself. And he will tell us why. It may seem at first, well, isn't this self-serving? The Apostle Paul is just asking them to follow him instead of following these wrong leaders. When we see the heart of Paul for these believers, we will understand why he is the right kind of leader they should start following again. And when we consider the aches and the pain that the Apostle Paul has for these believers, we will understand some of the criteria we should look for the kind of leaders we should be following as well. So even if you are not in the exact same situation like the Colossian believers, what we see in the heart of Paul aching for the Colossian believers, we will see some characteristics of the kind of leaders we would want to follow. Uh, College students, I realize that some of you, upon graduation, uh, may be moving in other places. You will not stay in Austin. Uh, And the Lord will call you at some point to look for other churches in new cities that the Lord will call you on. I want to encourage you to consider what kind of leaders you should be looking after or looking to follow when the Lord brings you to that place in your life where you will be looking for a new church. So let's consider this morning This passage, consider who you are following or who you should be following when the time comes for you to be following and looking for leaders. Uh, This passage happens to be divided in three parts and each of them will uh, bring an important criteria, characteristic of the leaders worth following. The first characteristic, follow the leaders who show you the way out of bondage. Follow the leaders who show you the way out of bondage. We see that in verses 8 through 11. This is what Paul does in these verses. Paul is recounting for them the journey they have taken out of bondage. Look at verse 8. Formerly, when you did not know God, you were enslaved to those that by nature are not God. Paul reminds these believers of how they were prior to coming in contact with the knowledge of God. They had been enslaved in bondage to to the things of this world, to the things of this creation, to things or beings that are not God by nature. Paul pointed them out of that bondage. How did he do that? Well, he pointed them to God, the knowledge of God, knowing God. We don't know all the details of what Paul preached to them in his first uh, journey, in his first visit to them, but he clearly preached about Jesus, as we will see later. He preached to them how God the Father sent his son Jesus Christ to redeem those who had been in bondage, to redeem the Galatians themselves. Uh, the Galatians have come to know God. They've come to know about his son Jesus Christ. And how through Jesus, they have become adopted sons and daughters. So now Paul just reminds them of what he has taught them up until now. But even though this is what Paul did to show them the way out of bondage through the knowledge of God, they are now turning away from living as free sons. And instead, they prefer to go back into bondage. So Paul is... Shocked. Who wouldn't be? Perhaps pastors who only care about numbers of conversions or just numbers of baptisms and care less about how the believers, the converts, are actually doing in following Jesus. Paul is shocked. He says in verse 9, but now that you have come to know God, or rather to be known by God, how can you turn back again to the weak and worthless elementary principles of the world whose slaves you want to be once more? How can you turn back, oh Galatians? What's amazing in this description is that the Galatians were not forced to go back into slavery. It was not as if, think with me, Old Testament times, it was not as if Pharaoh, king of Egypt, wanted to pursue the Israelites and force them back to come back to to Egypt, into slavery. No, in our text, we are told that the Galatians wanted to go back to slavery. How twisted their affections have become. Earlier this week, In our elders' meeting, we were reading this text in anticipation of of our service today. We always do that in every elders' meeting. And Pastor Taylor reminded the rest of the elders that the desire to go back to slavery is what the Israelites also wanted in the wilderness. Remember what they wanted to do? When things got hard in the wilderness, they, underscore, wanted to go back, to be slaves in Egypt. They thought it was better, even though, and just put yourself in their shoes, even though they have seen the power of God in the ten plagues against Egypt. Egypt even though they have seen the power of God imparting the Red Sea, when they encountered difficulties, they grumbled against God by wanting to go back to Egypt as slaves. And something similar is happening here with the Galatian believers. Friends, don't underestimate how corrupt our sinful natures that remain inside of us, how corrupt our affections can still be and become, that we would prefer to return back from our free status as sons, adopted sons and daughters of God, and would prefer to go back to the bondage that we were in prior to knowing God. This is why we need to follow the leaders who would remind us regularly of the dangerous lures of our former bondage. Uh, We need leaders who not only encourage us but also warn us. We need leaders who are not afraid to confront us and remind us of the tendencies to return back to our former bondage. Friends, do you have people around you who you are open to share which areas of bondage you are prone to call back into? Do you have that openness with other believers? Or are you keeping them at a distance? If you only follow those who tell you what you want to hear, you are cutting yourself off from the safety belt that God wants to put around you in case of drifting away. Imagine going to Six Flags uh, and, and going on those crazy rides and going on one of those rides without putting your safety belt on. It's incredibly foolish and dangerous. God wants to put spiritual leaders in our lives as safety belts to, to help us, protect us when we are drifting away, to hold us tight to the path of Christ. If you only want to be following leaders who never call you out when you drift away, then follow your own heart. What a common phrase today. Follow your heart. Your human heart will never call you out when you're drifting away. In our text, the slavery the Galatians wanted to turn to was legalism. In this text, in this letter, the, the drifting away that Paul calls them out on is the drifting back to legalism. Legalism is a religion that seeks our guiltless status before God, our right standing before God, based on our performance of the law. Instead of trusting in the promises of God to make us right in his sight through his son Jesus Christ as our substitute. Notice the nature of their current bondage. In verse 10, you observe days and months and seasons and years. Uh, These were some of the markers of following the Old Testament law. The Sabbath, the celebration of of new moons every month. Uh, The three major seasons or uh, feasts uh, in the different seasons of the year. Uh, The Judaizers sought to get the Galatians to begin practicing all the Old Testament Jewish feasts. Friends, when we consider our right standing with God based on our performance of His law, we too are prone to fall into legalism. No matter what the actual activities look like, it could be church going for us, it could be mercy ministries, it could be seeking justice, it could be going on on missions, it could be being active uh, for the sake of God if you do those out of a desire and confidence to be right with God, as if those are covering the guilt that you have incurred because of your sin, no amount of good works, no amount of obedience can make you right with God. Our justification before God is, is not based on our observance of God's law, but on our trust that Jesus is a God-given god given Substitute for our sins, our redemption, and right status before God is only possible if we trust in what Christ has accomplished for us through his death and through his resurrection. This is what Paul sought to teach the Galatians, to lead them out of bondage. But sadly, by this time, by the time he wrote this letter, Paul was wondering if his efforts were. To teach them the gospel had all been in vain. Look at verse 11. He says, I'm afraid I may have labored over you in vain. Prince Paul was not interested merely in getting converts to Christianity. Paul was not interested in counting how many professions of faith he had that year. Paul was not interested in merely reporting how many baptisms they had. He was concerned whether those he had led to Christ were continuing to persevere in their walk with Christ. And in the case of the Galatians, Paul is wondering... Have I labored in vain? I wonder how often you hear preachers be concerned about that. I wonder if the leaders you like to follow are concerned not only to get you in, to cross an initial line, but also to make sure that you stay the course that you stay the race, that you don't drift away. Follow the leaders who are interested not merely in getting you converted or getting you into their church. Follow the leaders who are concerned for you not to drift away from Christ. Follow the leaders who are passionate to see you persevere in holding on to being justified by faith alone, in Christ alone. Follow the leaders who are interested to see you follow not merely external forms of religion, not merely external manifestations such as observing days or months or seasons. It doesn't matter how excited you are about Jesus at Christmas. You know, in the Bible, we're never commanded to celebrate Christmas. In the Bible, we're actually the only celebration we are commanded to celebrate regularly is a gathering every week with the believers. Every other Christian festival, Easter, Christmas, whatever other Christian observance you want to follow, we are not commanded to actually observe it. What we are commanded is to gather every week. And even that should be never as a way to give us favor with God, but an outflow of our walk with the Lord and our union with Him and with His people. Follow the leaders who are not interested in just seeing you follow external forms of religion. Follow the leaders who can call you back regularly to what it means to follow Jesus and what it means to be justified by faith in Christ alone. Surround yourself with such influencers. So point number one, follow the leaders who show you the way out of bondage over and over and over again, not just once. Number two, follow the leaders who rely on the power of the gospel from the beginning to the end. Follow the leaders who rely on the power of the gospel from beginning to the end. We see that in verses 12 through 16. How did Paul rely on the power of the gospel? We see it in a few ways in these verses, 12 to 16. The first way we see it, Paul continued to proclaim that God makes us right with him, not through our performance, but through Christ's performance as our substitute. This is the, the, the center of the gospel, justification by faith in Christ alone. And we get the benefit of that by trusting in Christ not in ourselves. Friends, if if you're hearing this message and have been in church for a long time or have been in church for uh, on and off in your life but have never put your faith in Christ as your substitute for the sins that you have committed, for the guilt that you've incurred, for the punishment that you deserve, if you have not put your faith in Christ as your substitute, do so today. Paul encourages these believers to become like him as he has become like them. Look at verse 12. Look, brothers, I entreat you, become as I am, for I also have become as you are. Now, what does Paul mean when he says, become as I am, for I also have become as you are? It's not the only time in the Bible where Paul encourages believers to, or other people, to be like him. In 1 Corinthians 11... One, he says, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. That makes a lot of sense. Paul imitates Christ, therefore we should imitate Paul. But in this passage, Paul says, be like me because I have become like you. What does that mean? It's not an easy passage to interpret, and commentators have various theories over that. Let me give you what I'm persuaded Paul means in this case. Remember, Paul had been a Jew. He was a Jew. And specifically, a theologically conservative Jew. A Pharisee who had obeyed God's law perfectly and was upset when others didn't do the same. Yet Paul had come to experience God's salvation the same way Gentiles do. By faith in Christ alone. Not by appealing to any works of the law, but by putting his confidence in Christ alone for salvation. In other words, when it comes to Paul getting saved, Paul the Jew had to become like the Gentile because the only way even for a Jew to be saved is to be saved the same way a Gentile is, namely, by faith in Christ alone. He had to accept God's salvation the same way as the Gentiles do. This is how Paul relied on the power of the gospel for salvation, not on his performance. He kept teaching and trusting that the power for salvation is not in what the law demands from us, but in what Christ has accomplished on our behalf uh, because he is the sinless, the only sinless human being. So Paul called the Galatians to be like him because he has become like them in the matter of salvation, justification by faith alone. But Paul relied on the power of the gospel not just for the initial act of conversion to Christianity. Paul relied on the power of the gospel in some other ways also. He relied on the power of the gospel when he, the preacher, was physically weak and sick when he first came to to the Galatians. Look at verses 13 to 14. You know, it was because of the bodily ailment that I preached the gospel to you at first. And though my condition was a trial to you, you did not scorn or despise me, but received me as an angel of God, as Christ Jesus. Despite Paul's physical condition, Despite his sickness being a trial to the Galatians, they received him as an angel from God, as Jesus Christ himself. Now, how could the Galatians consider a sick man an angel of God? I mean, if someone is truly an angel, he wouldn't be sick. Angels don't get sick. How would they they come to have such an amazing view of the Apostle Paul, even though, humanly speaking, they had every reason to despise him, to scorn him? Well, I'll tell you, it was not because of Paul's physical condition. It was because of the message he brought with him. The message of the gospel was powerful enough, enough to attract people in Galatia to the gospel even when the messenger was physically weak and burdened to be despised by them. What a powerful gospel we have. I'm so encouraged to hear from this text that Paul relied on the message of the gospel and he did not use his sickness thinking nobody will listen to me. Who would want to listen to a physically ill guy? Paul relied on the message of the gospel to be powerful. And I'm so encouraged to hear that the gospel is greater than our human shortcomings or limitations. This is the leader the Galatians began following at first. Despite human frailty, they esteemed him highly because of the message he preached to them. He was confident in the message of the gospel, in the power of that message not in his delivery, not in the way of his charisma. He was sick after all. We don't know how he was able to get up on the stage or get up and speak to them. He was a sick man preaching a powerful message. But sadly, the Galatians shifted away from him now and from Christ. So now Paul has to write them knowing that their affections for him will likely change. He perceives that some of the people receiving this letter will likely respond to him as if he is their enemy. But Paul's message hasn't changed. And now, his confidence in the gospel is proven in another way. Is it worth proclaiming the truth even 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 though those who would hear it would likely consider you an enemy. And Paul continues to rely on the power of the gospel even when he perceives that some in the audience who will hear it will now likely call him out as their enemy. Oh, friends, telling the truth of the gospel is more important than holding on to people's former positive affections for us. This is a leader who relies on the power of the gospel even when it's very costly in the relationships that he has. Protecting the gospel from legalism caused Paul to become an enemy to these Galatians. Protecting the gospel from legalism caused Paul to become an enemy for these Galatians. Friends, when we seek to correct one another with the truth of the gospel, we run the risk of becoming enemies to each other let's be honest, when you take the risk of correcting someone with the truth of the gospel, we run the risk of that relationship growing cold and rifting. But we must trust in the power of the gospel, even in such times of needed correction. We should do it with gentleness. We should do it with clarity. We should do it with firmness. In this case, Paul is very emotional as well. He is in deep pain for them. But we need to follow such leaders who trust in the power of the gospel to do its work. No matter how they perceive the audience will receive the message, every church needs her pastors to be ready to correct God's people when they drift away from the truth of the gospel. That the power of God for salvation stands. Not in our gimmicks, not in our human abilities to make people like us, but in God's message proclaimed simply, faithfully, at times with risk, even in the weakness of the flesh. These are the kind of leaders we need to be following who trust not in the human ability to draw a crowd but trust in the power of the gospel to do its work. And a third kind of leader, a third characteristic of the leaders we need to follow, we see it in verses 17 through 20. Follow the leaders who want to see Christ formed in you. Follow the leaders who want to see Christ formed in you. In this last paragraph, Paul contrasts himself with the false teachers. He exposes that the strategy of the false teachers has been to lure the Galatians away through their zeal. It was their zeal for the Galatians. Look with me to verse 17 and 18. Paul says, They made much of you, but for no good purpose. They want to shut you out, that you may make much of them. It's always good to be made much of for a good purpose, and not only when I'm present with you. Now, the word to make much of you in the Greek language is just one verb, and it's the verb that means to be zealous. It's a way of Paul saying these false teachers are really zealous over you. They make you feel very important. They treat you really well. I understand why you like to be around them. I understand why you like to have them around you. Because they are passionate for you. This is a modern equivalent of this phrase. They were passionate in their pursuits of you. And, Paul says, and you are falling for their attention. Paul exposes the motivation for their zeal for the Galatians, to make the Galatians be zealous about them in return. In other words, these false teachers showed extreme interest and zeal in the Galatians for self-serving purposes. Now, Paul clarifies, there's there's nothing wrong in being shown passion and care by others. You don't need to go around and and always be suspicious if someone shows care in you. There's there's nothing wrong in, in being shown care by others. But Paul says, but simply seeing and receiving that passion from others is no guarantee that the purpose and the direction is necessarily good. So don't just fall for the passion of other people. Don't just fall for the passion other people have about you. This is a particularly common lure today. If someone treats us with extra attention, if someone is very passionate about what we're doing, about our well being, we likely will give them our attention. And Paul exposes the foolishness of determining what is true merely on what is passionate. Now, what is true should not be boring. What is true should not lack passion. If something is true, we should be passionate about the truth. But simply having passion is no guarantee that it's true. Instead, instead, look at a better criterion. Paul, too, is zealous for the believers. He's zealous for the Galatians. But his zeal for the Galatians right now in this setting is manifested through the pain he's feeling for them. This is Paul's zeal for them. The false teachers are excited for the Galatians. It's positive enthusiasm for them. Paul is zealous for the Galatians, but right now in the setting, it's a a zeal that manifests in pain because they were flirting to go back to slavery. It's like the, the Israelites back in the wilderness. Are you kidding me? You want to go back to Egypt? Paul's pain is so deep that the best imagery he could find to express it, to paint it for them, Because he was not there in person to tell them this. He had to paint a picture through words. And the words he uses to describe his pain is to consider the woman giving birth and going through the labor pains with no epidural. He says, my little children for whom I am again, in the anguish of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. This is what Paul was zealous for. This is what Paul was aiming for them, that Christ would be formed in these believers. And their desire to go back to slavery made the image of Jesus in them so small that Paul was wondering if he has to start all over with them. Friends, this is a type of leader that you should want to follow, the one who is passionate to see Christ form in us. Dear teenagers and students, in young adults, you are following after friends who desire to make much of you, who make you feel important. And there's something in the season in your lives when you are more sensitive to the attention you get from others. That sensitivity, sadly, does not go away from us as we age. It's just more intense in teenage years. Are the friends you are cultivating deeper friendships with and the friends you are following, are they desiring for you to see more of Christ in you? Consider carefully who are the leaders and influencers you invest time in following. Uh, Adults, members of various stages of life, are you... Simply following those who help you develop, let's say, professionally. But slowly and surely they cause you to drift away from Christ and from his kingdom, from his values. Are you so passionate for your career development that you give yourself to follow all kinds of leaders? But when it comes to your spiritual life, you hardly have time to follow any other godly spiritual leader because you're so immersed in just following the leaders for your life development? Can you think right now of one or two names of leaders or influencers in your life that you are following to inspire you to grow in Christ? Who are the people you enjoy fellowship with and take cues from? Can you say that they are helping you follow Jesus better? When you get put in a grave, and all of us will get there unless the Lord returns physically in our lifetime. When you and I get to be placed in a grave, it will matter very little how big of a name you have made for yourself. But it will matter whether or not you have made much of Jesus in your life. That is what will remain. So choose to follow leaders. Consider investing in following those influencers who help you make much of Jesus now, who help you grow in the image and form of Jesus, in the way you relate. To one another, in the the way you relate to your children, in the way you relate to your spouse, in the way you relate to other believers, in the way you relate to your job, in the way you relate to, to life and society, is the image of Jesus being formed and growing in you. Consider the leaders you are following. Follow the leaders who show you the way out of bondage. Follow the leaders who rely on the power of the gospel from the beginning to the end. Follow the leaders who want to see Christ formed in you. May God bless our congregation with such leaders. May God bless each of our lives to be lured by the beauty of Christ through the influence of godly leaders. May the Lord help us do so. Would you pray with me? Father, we confess to you that our hearts are always, always lured by something in this creation. We find beauty and worth in much of what you have created. And we confess, O Lord, that sometimes we find that beauty in such a way that it replaces you in our lives. We confess that we follow leaders often who just help us develop in the ways of this world, but but fail to follow those who help us follow you and see Christ formed in us in increasing measures. Father, give us a grace to examine our lives and to consider carefully who are the leaders, who are the influencers that we give ourselves after. Help us, Father, to trust And follow those who help us make much of Jesus. In the name of Christ we pray for his glory and honor.